Well, good morning, countryside. It is so good to be back with you today. I've been off for a few weeks, uh, getting renewed, renewing my vision, my heart. God is so good to us. Can you say amen to that? I want to just welcome all those that are watching online right now with us. You're part of our family. We're glad that you're watching. But I just found out there's a very special couple that I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago during worship. Nathan and Samantha Farlow are together in the hospital right now watching this service. We rejoice with your healing, Samantha. God is so, so good. Well, I know that the COVID-19, it has spread and there's different things that are happening right now. And people have asked me, what is the way for people to get into the church without having any contact with other people? So I wanted to let you know how you do that. If you go to the back of the property, on the hill in the back, there's an entrance where you go right across a breezeway. When you do that, you'll come out right by Studio K where you can enter the back up here, or you can walk around this hall and enter this entrance here without having any contact at all. But I wanna assure you, church, none of this has caught God by surprise. Our God is still good, our God is on the throne, and I believe that God's gonna continue to carry us through this situation and what's happening, because that's what God does. I wanna thank those that were able to help the pulpit, and they did such a great job. Pastor Kelly shared a wonderful word, Pastor Dan did a wonderful job as he preached, and last week, Pastor Marcelo did an incredible job as he launched the, the book of Jonah. So we are blessed, church. Let's give God praise for what he has done and what he is doing. So last week we started this series, and what the book of Jonah really, it's, it's almost like a mirror that's showing us different circumstances and different situations that we personally go through, and what do you do in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of being so far away from God where only God could show up and do something great? Jonah was, uh, he was entitled the reluctant prophet. And last week we talked about how he was called to go to Nineveh to share the word of God with the Ninevites. Now, a lot of people, they say, why didn't he just go? Why wasn't he just obedient? Why didn't he just do what God called him to do? Why did he have to go through all that he went through? Well, let me give you a little bit of perspective of some of the things that were going through Jonah's mind and his heart in the middle of this call. Has God ever called you to do something that you didn't want to do? He does that. Well, the Ninevites were especially cruel and brutal to the Israelites and to Jewish people. They would torture them. They raped the women and the children of the Jews. So there was a personal thing that he had against what was happening there. First of all, the torture that he could face by going to Nineveh was a personal thing that he had to deal with. But also, to see a group of people that God's called him to minister his grace, to minister salvation to a group of people that Jonah didn't feel like they necessarily deserved. They were brutal. They were mean and horrible people. I'll give you an example of brutality. They would take men in battle, they would bury them up to their neck, skin them, take out their tongue and put a spike in there, and then watch them go absolutely mad and lose their mind before they would perish. These are the things that's going on in Jonah's mind. These are the people that are doing this 
to my people. So it wasn't just being called to go to South Tampa to minister salvation. This was a guy that had been brutalized, his family, rape of children and wives. It was a horrible, horrible thing. So Jonah walked in disobedience to God. He walked away from what God had called him to do, and he completely went in the opposite direction. He was on his way to Tarshish. Tarshish was 2,500 miles away, and he got on a boat, and he was like, let's go as far away from Nineveh as possible. Well, on the way to Nineveh, there was a storm that hit and began to destroy the ship. The captain asked Jonah to pray. But Jonah wasn't in the mood to pray. He was in the mood to get as far away from Nineveh as possible. So he wasn't in the praying mood. Now, I wanna give you a modern day situation that could be a little bit similar. So it was about 10, 12 years ago that there was a small Baptist church in Mount Vernon, Texas that began a prayer chain in order to close a bar it was a Drummond's Bar that was building a new facility that was going to impact that community in a greater way with what they did. So a few weeks after the prayer chain started, a lightning bolt comes down and hits the bar and burns the bar down. So what does the bar do? They sue the church. So they take the church to court, and as it was going before the judge, the judge was just beside himself, and he says, what is going on? This is a very strange thing that's happening. He said, I have pastors in my courtroom that don't believe in the power of prayer, and I have bar owners in my courtroom that do believe in the power of prayer. You see, when things happen that affect you directly, let me tell you, you're gonna begin to believe really very, very quickly. This is exactly what was happening in the book of Jonah as we see the sailors on the boat were more in fear of God and honoring God at that moment more so than Jonah the prophet. So what did they do? They threw Jonah overboard and he was swallowed by a great fish. And let me tell you, something like that happened here a few months ago where a great fish came and almost swallowed somebody that was on their kayak, not to alarm us that kayak, but it can happen. Now, I don't know what those birds are doing. Okay, you can turn that off. I want you to know there was no kayaker that was injured in this moment. Give you a disclaimer, they were okay. But think about it. Here's Jonah running from God, and here we are as we move into chapter two. In the belly of a whale, Jonah writes chapter two. In this book, in this chapter, it's called The Prayer of Jonah. It's Hebrew poetry. It's some people, they call it the Psalm of Jonah. And it was Jonah in the situation was because it was, he was in direct disobedience with God. But even in direct disobedience with God, in the crisis that he was in, he knew that he could call on the name of the Lord and that God would still listen and that God would still come, bring him peace, and rescue him. I want you to know no matter what you may be going through, you may feel a million miles away from God. God is right there with you. 
Recognize the presence of God in your life. Don't walk away from God, walk to God because God wants to see you through. He wants to rescue you, he wants to build you up, and he wants to deliver you into the place that only God can deliver us. So let's look in Jonah chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, I am in, dis- I am in distress. I call upon the name of the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. He cried out to God. Here we are, living life, and so often we're in the middle of a crisis, and we say we don't know what to do, and we call our next door neighbor, help us, they're like, I don't know what to do for you, but listen, the same God that delivered Jonah is the same God that wants to deliver us and be there for us. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the Holy One. He's the one that is there no matter what we may be going through, a faithful God who is right there and always on time in our life. Can you say amen? Amen. So in this chapter, or in this um, verse, the word distress comes from the Hebrew word sara, which means the travail of childbirth, anguish. He was in anguish in the middle of a situation. The next thing is the word grave. It means sheol. It's the realm of the dead, hell, far from God. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you feel so far away from God you feel like you're living out hell on earth? You see, that was the point that Jonah was in this moment, he was at the furthest point from God that he'd ever lived in his life at this point. For some of us, it may be what you're going through financially right now. Maybe it's your marriage that's been struggling. It feels like you're living out hell with your spouse. Maybe it's someone that has an inward struggle with depression and fear and anxiety, unforgiveness, and you live your life inside, it feels like Sheol. It feels like hell. It feels like you're at a place that is so far away from God, but I want you to know that's when God wants to answer. When you put these two verses together, as the Hebrew picture, they were supposed to be put together to prove a point, to show a complete picture. We could say this is what these two verses are summed up by Jonah. It says, I was as good as dead, but Jesus in his Zara, because of the sacrifice he made on the cross so that I could be born again, so that I could be rescued. That's what our God did when he went to the cross, is he went there to rescue us. See, it's at that point in the story that God could have provided anything for Jonah. When he was thrown out of the, out of the ship, he could have provided him Shamu. Shamu, you just grab onto that, that fin and you just go. Could have provided some dolphins where he could have just got up and rode a dolphin to shore. But no, God oftentimes uses the most unpredictable ways to get our attention, to get us to that place that God wants us to be. You see, God did a miracle here in Jonah's life. God was in charge. God did it his way. God's way is always different than ours, isn't it? Don't we look at situations and things that we go through and we wonder, why did this take so long? Why did I have to get this hurt? Why did I have to be broken? Why did I have to do all of these things? But it's through the processes that we walk through 
that God molds us, shapes us, oftentimes it's very painful. Oftentimes it's very lonely. Oftentimes it's a lot of hurt and disappointment. But you see, if we continue to trust God in those moments, God will complete the good work that he's doing in you and the good work he's doing in me. That's exactly what he was doing in Jonah. He was taking him through the process of decisions that he made in disobedience. So let's look at what Jonah was doing and the phases that he was walking through. God says go. Jonah says no. Jonah goes the opposite way of where God told him to go. So God in his grace sends a storm and as the storm is going, the captain of the ship asks Jonah to pray. Jonah in his disobedience says, I don't wanna pray, I want to go. So what happens, the sailors then throw Jonah overboard where God provides a great, God provides, hear that. God provides a great fish to swallow Jonah. Trusting God means no matter what our circumstances look like, our eyes are on the Father. No matter what we may be going through, our eyes are on the Father. And we're gonna trust God in the process. So many people, they wanna get off in the middle of the process, and they don't allow God to complete the work that he's doing. That's why so often I say, no matter what you're going through, don't quit. Get out of bed. Get moving. Go to church. Get in the word of God. Pray, but don't quit because God is not finished yet. You have a wayward teenager? Let me tell you, God's not finished yet. Trust the process of what God may be taking you through. Verse three. It says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All my waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Verse five, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down but earth beneath barred me in forever. Now this is an important two words. But you brought my life up from the pit. How many times in our life would we be going down a pit, but God shows up and does something great? In Jonah's mind, there was no way he was going to survive. He has been swallowed. He's got digestive juices all over him. He's in the process of being digested. But God, but God. I want to share with you a couple of but God moments in people's life in this church. There's a wonderful woman. Her name is Liz Schramm. Today, she was on our worship team, and she was standing right here singing out a hallelujah, praising God with her entire heart and soul, so happy. Well, in 2017, Liz was diagnosed with a very serious blood cancer. Now, with most cancers, they're in a tumor and they can be encapsulized and they can be taken out. Well, this type of blood cancer was cancer that went throughout her whole body. So no matter what her recovery may look like, the doctor said it would always come back and it would never be in remission. 
I can remember in December 2017, standing right over on this side with about 15 of us laying hands on Liz and believing God for a miracle. Well, it didn't happen right then. She went in for treatment, went in for radiation, and here's, here's a picture of Liz where things did not look good. Things did not look promising at that moment. But what do we do in the middle of the moment where things may not look bright or good? We look to God to say, God, you are in the middle of all of this, and no matter how things may look, we are going to trust you. Well, in 2017, I'm sorry, July of 2018, she had already had a bone marrow transplant that failed, but in July of 2018, the doctor said this defied modern medicine, he has no explanation for this, but Liz has been in remission now since July of 2018. So, here's a picture recently. Now, look at the before and after pictures of this. This is a woman that in the dire moments of her life, she didn't turn her back on Jesus. She didn't say, why me? Why am I going through this? She said, God, I trust you. I trust you with the faithfulness of your Holy Spirit to minister to me and to bring healing to my body. Whenever she goes to the doctor now, they said there is no medical explanation of why you should still be here. But God, but God, Maybe you're in a marriage where you're like, there is no hope, there's too much, it's too painful, we've gone through too, too many things, it's impossible. Well, I wanna share with you a, a couple in our church, Pastor Glenn and Mariette Gammon. Pastor Gammon is now counseling here at the church. Mariette is now my assistant, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Tim's assistant. Well, over 30 years ago, they got divorced. And when they got divorced, that's how we met them. They started coming to the church kind of separately during the divorce. It was so bad that they couldn't be in the same room together. So we babysat their son, John, when he was like five, and Mariette would drop him off in the morning. Glenn would come and pick him up in the evenings because it was so volatile they couldn't be in the same room. Now, they were divorced for five years. It's impossible. Glenn would come to me, says, I'm praying for reconciliation with my wife. Will you join me? Now, inside I'm thinking, yeah, I'll join you. <laughs> I don't know how much faith I have for this, because it's bad, Glenn. Five years. Mariette gets engaged to another man. Pastor Gammon comes to me and says, I still have faith, don't you? Yeah, I still have faith. But God, but God showed up. And after five years, God did a miracle of different things, different processes, different things to put them in a situation to get back together, and now they've been married over 25 years because God is good. To think now, they do marriage counseling together. 30 years ago, I'd be like, you know, probably you should go to anyone but them. And here, God takes a situation that was meant for harm 
and horrible things turns it around and turns their greatest weakness into their greatest strength. And now it brings glory to the name of Jesus Christ and it helps marriages to be rescued because of the goodness of our God. In your notes, don't forget the but God times in your life. Don't forget those but God times. Think about it. There's some of you, here you are in church, you maybe 10, 20 years ago, you thought never in a million years would I go to church. Some of you thought I'm never gonna go to church and you come in with maybe somebody you wanna date or whatever, okay, I'll go to church. And then God got a hold of you and rescued you from the lifestyle that you were living and here you are with your hands raised crying out to God and ministering to other people. How does that happen? God is how that happens. Verse seven, it says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and in my prayer, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. So it's easy for us to forget about the things God has done for us, but when we look at the things and we begin to remember what he's done, then we can begin to put him in that rightful place. You see, the enemy's gonna put anything in front of us that will give us excuses that can drive a wedge between our relationship with the Lord. I'm busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I haven't seen you in a month. Yeah, I'm just so busy. Well, I haven't seen you bringing your kid to youth group. Well, we're just so busy. And let me tell you, it is busy. But we always seem to have time for the things that matter most in our life. Somehow we're able to squeeze those things in. And it's important that we don't just squeeze those things in, but we prioritize the things in our life that's gonna cause our relationship with the Lord to get stronger, to cause a relationship with the Lord with our kids to get stronger. Let me tell you, my kids never had a choice of whether they're going to youth group or not. They're going to youth group. Do I have to go to youth Yeah, you're going to youth group. But dad, I wanna go play. You can play tomorrow. Going to youth group. Well, what if I don't? You're eating my food. You're sleeping in my house. I know, but dad, I'm only 12 years old. Hey, learn. But you know why it was such a priority for our kids to be in church and to be in youth group? Because I didn't want them to miss that one opportunity where their window of their heart was open and God dove in that night, that camp, that message, and their eyes were open. So why is it a priority? Because I wanna give my kids the best chance to get their life right with God, to hear the word, and to see revival in their hearts. You see, there's always excuses, but remember, remember what God has done Remember that time where you were the most broken you've ever been, where it seemed hopeless, where you were so broken and you were looking like, there's no way God's gonna, and God showed up. Maybe it was a friend that called you, maybe it was a text that encouraged you, but you knew that God had your number and that God was there. Don't forget those times. Maybe it was a time where God brought supernatural peace, where you were in a place of such anxiety and fear. Remember those times. 
Never forget the times where God showed up when only God could show up. When you're discouraged, don't think, oh, this is impossible. No, remember what God has done because God wants to do it again. Allow him to do that deep work in your heart and allow those but God times to continue to remind you of the goodness and faithfulness of our God. Verse eight, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit grace that could be theirs. Grace, grace comes from the Hebrew word hesed. It means loving kindness, the pursuing love of God. The pursuing love of God. Do you ever feel like God's got your number and he's chasing you? The answer is yes, because that's the kind of God that we serve where he's constantly pursuing us because he wants a relationship that's deep. He wants a deeper relationship. He wants to be part of every area of our life and he wants to have a loving, intimate relationship with us. What a God we serve that pursues us no matter what we may be going through. So what idols were Jonah clinging to? Probably prejudice that was in his heart towards the Ninevites because of what they have done. Probably his self, self-preservation. This is gonna be dangerous, this isn't what I wanna do, so I'm not gonna do it. Self, let me tell you, in America today, it's all about self. You turn on the TV, it's telling you this is how you can be happy if you have this, this, and this. If you have this type of clothes, if you drive this type of car, if you have this type of phone, then you can be happy. I want you to know, that is such a lie belched out of the pit of hell. If you're just looking for that next thing to purchase to make you happy, it'll make you happy for about two days. And then you realize you have a big bill that's coming and you have to get another job in order to pay for that thing that's gonna make you happy for two days. Materialism is, is ruining so many people because it brings all the focus off of the things God wants our focus on and it brings it up to stuff. What are the idols that may be in your life? You know, for me, it was sports. Sports was an idol. I'm like, I can't wait to this game. I mean, it was a holy day. When the Gators are playing, Elaine knew, I'm like, no, this is a holy day. This is wing day. This is a day where it's gonna be quiet in the house. This is a day we are going to focus on this game. I don't care what happens. Well, what if this, I don't, no. I don't care what happens. I'm watching this game. It became an idol. And so God's kind of taken that away. I pray, God, whatever's holding me back from you, take it away, because I want to walk in the fullness. You know another thing that can be an idol? This guy right here. Look at your screen time. A lot of people put that on mute, and they hide it. I don't want to see that. But look and see. You know, idols in our life are things and areas where we put a majority of our time, our thoughts, and our effort. So if Facebook's eating up 10 hours a day so you can see these fake lives, people aren't, they're not posting what's really happening. I talked to some of these people, they're in a miserable situation, but man, they look so happy. 
And then we were like, we want to be like them? No, you don't. You don't. But think about the time. You know, I go into restaurants, me and Elaine oftentimes, because we eat out for our date night on Friday nights, and oftentimes we'll see families of three, four, five, all of them. And the waitress will come. Coke. I'll see couples that are 70 years old. Oh, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you. If it's taking up the focus, what happens when our eyes are focused on things that dominate our life, what we're doing is we're missing the moments that God wants you to have. We're missing those moments with our spouse that are God-given, that are right there for us to begin to speak life into our spouse, to speak loving into our spouse. People, they come in and they're like, oh, you know, it's just not the same. You know, our sex life is horrible. I'm like, how much are you on your phone? Well, yeah, I don't know. Well, let's look. It's a lot. And then the wife says, yeah, he doesn't really talk to me. Talk, share your heart, share your love with one another. Children, they wonder, where's my parent? Oftentimes parents are absent and they're putting their kids in front of a TV or a video game to be raised. Our job's to raise our kids. How we're gonna raise our kids is to have a loving environment with boundaries and rules that are respected. But if you have a bunch of rules but you don't have a real loving relationship with your kids, Rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules with the relationship brings relationship and honoring to those rules, and they respect it. So, verse nine, we're just, we're about to close up right now. My clock's frozen on my thing. Don't worry, though, I'm watching it. Verse nine says, but I, with song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. So here's Jonah at this moment. He has a but God moment in the middle of this situation, and he tells God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to say, I will say. That's the place that God wants all of us to be at. That no matter what's happening around us, God, wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to say, I'm gonna say it. God, wherever you want me to be, I'm gonna be there. I was known as the reluctant pastor. In the 80s, I gave my life completely over and heard on a mission trip in 1987 the call of God clearly on my life. But I was in a government job that was secure. I had a lot of sick leave, a lot of vacation, great insurance, great retirement. I'm just gonna do this as a volunteer. And then I'm like, okay, God, I'm gonna take a next step. In 1990, I, I came part-time on staff at the church, but I could still keep my government, it was still comfortable. Well, in 1995, God said, brother, you are gonna miss the call that I have on your life unless you're obedient to what I've called you to do. And so in 1995, I quit my job, left the job to a place where I was getting paid half of what I was getting paid at, at this government job. So I had to take another job. I had two, three jobs for eight years. But it was all part of the process of the goodness of God that when we are obedient, I would not be here today 
if I would not have had that Jonah moment where I said, God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I will be there. And then what God does, he puts us on that road where we can trust him and he is gonna see us through. Last part of verse nine, it says, salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and the fish vomited. <laughs> the Bible's so great. The Bible's so great. And uh, if Elaine wrote that, she would have said, had a little spit up. The, the whale spit him up. No, the whale vomited him onto dry land. So if you feel like you're in a place like Jonah and you feel like you're running from God, this is my advice to you. Don't be afraid. Turn around from where you're going. Go the direction that God wants you to go. Humble yourself, submit yourself unto the Lord, and he will make your path straight. Understand, there's always a way back. There's people that are in their 80s. Got somebody after first service, she was 93 years old, and she just got baptized two weeks ago in her pool by Pastor Dan. And she looked at me, and she goes, Pastor, my greatest days are ahead, right in front of me. And I said, Margaret, you're darn right, they are. Your greatest days are ahead for you. So no matter where you've been, no matter where you are, God loves you enough to open the right door to get you to the place that he wants you to go. So many people, they said, oh, I missed it. I made a mistake, I walked through the wrong door. Don't you know that God loves you enough that even if you took a sidetrack and you went on a detour, the detour is gonna lead back to his perfect will if your heart is saying, God, lead me, guide me, and I will go. So Jonah thought his life was over, but it was just the beginning of the story. It started with Jonah humbling himself. It started with him being obedient to God. The things that were his greatest weakness became his greatest strength. And as we continue over these next two weeks and we see what God did through Jonah, it started with humility, it started with obedience, and it started with him saying, God, here I am. No matter where you want me to be, send me. My greatest fear in life when I was 20 years old was ever to speak in front of more than one person. I could do good one-on-one, -on -one. but my greatest fear, God, I even said this, I'll do anything, but I can't get on that stage. And so God put me in the nursery, but I was too nervous to speak in 20 kids that could barely talk. So I put on clown makeup, so I felt like I could hide behind the makeup. And I was a clown for two years. But you see, God was doing something in the process. Next thing I know, I'm the middle school pastor with a bunch of middle schoolers driving me crazy for eight years. But God took that, he saw my heart as he sees yours, and he will take you by the hand, and whatever your destiny is, your God-given purpose, he will lead you, he will guide you, and he will make a way where there seems to be no way. That's the God that we serve. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that right now, Holy Spirit, you are ministering to the hearts of so many.
with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're in that place where you feel like you've been running from God. Let me tell you, God's here with his arms outstretched just like they always are. Saying, I'm, I'm right here, come on home, come back. I got you, I got you. Maybe you're in a place where you've never given your life fully to Christ. You're always gonna be in that wandering mode until you say, God, I can't do it myself. I need a savior. And when you say that, what God does is he forgives us of our sins, he renews our past, he removes shame, and he gives us a clean slate, whole, healed, delivered, and walking in relationship with God Almighty through his son, Jesus Christ. If you're here today before we leave, you say, Pastor Glenn, I need Jesus. Pastor Glenn, I've been, I've been running. When I count to three, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm not gonna call you out, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I believe that today is gonna be the most important day of your life when you run fully into the arms of Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Will you raise your hand if that's you? Thank you so much. Coming over to the center section, just raise your hand. If you wanna be included in this prayer, I see your hand. Thank you so much, God bless you. Thank you so much. Yes, 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 yes. Father, I just pray for each and every person in this room that you would renew their hearts and their minds, that you would draw them close to you, that, Father, you would wrap your arms around them and they would know that they're safe in your arms, that they're loved by God Almighty, and that, God, you have a plan for each and every one of us. Help us, Lord not to walk in fear, but to walk in faith. And Lord, as we walk in faith, you're gonna lead us down a path that is straight, straight towards the purpose you have for each one of us. Can we all pray together for the sake of those that raise their hand? Just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life so that I might know real life. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Today I make you my Lord, my Savior, my God, and my friend in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? I love you guys. You're a wonderful church to pastor. I'm so glad that you were here today. Amen. What a wonderful message from Pastor Glenn. You appreciate Pastor Glenn. He is a wonderful leader in this church. Would you stand, please, to receive your blessing? And as the prayer team comes forward, we want you to know that if you raised your hand or prayed that prayer for the first time, we have a free book for you. It's called A Fresh Start with God. We want you to just come forward and ask for it. We just want to give it to you for free. It's a great book to read to get started on your journey with Jesus. To receive your blessing now, if you would just raise your hearts or turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord God bless you with but God moments in your life. May he redeem your past, transform your present, and bless your future. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up 
his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you, church.